One needs to understand that the butcher of Soweto believes he's an angel, when in reality, he's the devil himself. Time for us to get into the literature corner. And this week, we're talking about a book that's now become a major uh, Showmax series, a Showmax original series uh, of uh, uh, a book called Red Ink. And many of you may know Red Ink. It came out in 2007. It's written by author Angela Makola uh, Maubelo, who's also now a TV producer working on that series of the same name as her book. And Angela joins us on the show this morning to talk about this, I think, what's an exciting development. Uh, Angela, very good morning to you. Morning, Gooks. How are you? Very well, thank you, Angela. And how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. A bit exhausted, but very well. (laughs) I imagine so. Exhausted from working on the show? No, just uh, it's it's been a flurry of activity after the show, after my sequel, The Redone Stalker. Just, yeah. uh, it's just been a lot busy. Of talks and, yeah, it's just been a busy time. So tell us about the book, because this was your debut book, Red Ink. Yes, I wrote uh, Red Ink back in 2007. It was supposed to be a biography on a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had written to this man as a journalist and had asked to come visit him at the Pretoria Maximum Security Prison where he was incarcerated. And uh, so I did actually start out writing uh, a real-life story, like a true crime story. Um, but... You know, this was a very disturbed man with a very disturbed mind. He's still alive. He's still serving time. Um, And, you know, sooner rather than later, um, just the project kind of went south because I realized that I I would not get the truth out of him. There's a lot of just uh, mind games and manipulation. So Mm -hmm. I discarded that project, but later picked it up and decided to fictionalize it. So... Yeah, that's what Red Ink, um, that's basically how it came to be. Yeah, and so from that, you know, initially what was going to be, I guess, a a non-fiction book to fiction, how then did you take the story of this, I guess, real-life person that is still alive? Um, How did did it then uh, influence or shape the fiction story? How do you then tell the story as a, a piece of fiction? Yeah, it was a very interesting process. Um, so as a first-time writer, I I was, I, I, I actually uh, believed in the school of thought that says you must write what you know. So I did uh, pick up pieces of my own life and uh, thread them through the narrative uh, about the serial killer. So um, it's a very interesting project because it's a, the, the, the lines between, um, you know, art imitating life and life imitating life are often very blurred. Um, yeah, so basically I, 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 you know, I took inspiration from my own life um, with parts of the, of the book. And then, of course, I took the scenario between myself and the serial killer and uh, took it to the darkest urges of what could have happened, um, you know, uh, because of that encounter um, so that I could churn out like a gritty, um, you know, crime 
fiction novel, um, you know, with all the elements that you would expect in a crime fiction novel. Mm-hmm. And so then does the character, because there's a character in the book, Lucy Kambule, she's a journalist turned publicist. She gets approached by the serial killer who's serving time to tell her story. So is the character of Lucy loosely based on you? Uh, emphasis on loosely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> And so then, so so Lucy gets this call. Does she then, you know, so you initially were going to tell the story as a nonfiction story, it then becomes fiction. How does Lucy handle, she gets this call from this person, um, uh, this man called the Butcher of Soweto, his nickname is the Butcher of Soweto. How does, how does she then handle the, that call? What happens? So she, you know, um, there's a lot happening in her life, first of all, but she does decide um, that she's going to go visit this man and she decides to write his story. Um, And so what unfolds is that as much as this man is in prison, very um, dangerous um, and malevolent forces start to come into her world, which is a decidedly different world from that of Napoleon's. So she lives in this kind of glamorous world of public relations. She's got clients, um, corporate clients, government clients. She's got a fun, funky, crazy friend called Fundi, um, you know, uh, who just adds kind of slice of life moments um, in in the book and the bit of humor in the book because there's a lot of darkness. And so what she thought was a book that would get us into the serial killer ends up being something that unleashes such darkness and horror into her own life that she has to wonder how um, Napoleon Dinsayo, the serial killer, who's in prison, what is it that he, what, how is it that um, after encountering him, there's so much darkness in her life, so clearly there must be a link. Mm-hmm. So now it's a race against time to find what the link is so that she doesn't lose more people in her life. She already loses a business partner. Um, and so that's that's the race that then kind of propels the novel forward. Yeah. And so now the, the book has become an eight-part Showmax original series. Um, and it's got, you know, quite a, an impressive cast. I mean, we have, um, you know, Bongo Koza, who many of us know he played in Kele and The Wife. He's actually reunited with two other of his on-screen brothers from The Wife, uh, Kwenzo Ngobo, Abdul Koza. Um, so quite a, an impressive uh, impressive um, cast. Lucia Cooper, Joanne Reineke, uh a part of the cast. How does the adaptation... Kumalo, the main actress. Yes. Well. <laughs> and so how does the the book being adapted into this uh, TV series, how does that happen? How long had that been in the works? You know, I think I was quite fortunate um, because my business partner, she's a young lady called Kinele Mabocha. She's the one who convinced me, you know, to try and adapt some of my own work because, you know, traditionally how it happens or conventionally is that a television production company would approach the publisher or the author um, you know, um, with the intention of um, translating a book to screen. So at first I was skeptical. You know, I did study journalism and a bit of television when I was still a student, um, but I hadn't really practiced in the field, um, you know. And so I shook off my imposter syndrome (laughs) and um, I applied for a grant to 
to to put together a treatment for the show and i was fortunate to be successful in that and then i brought in uh two television writers sunny faba and zaba Sajwayo, to help me to workshop um what would be like the pitch that i would then shop around to broadcasters or streamers and so that's what happened we put together a pitch deck and then i went to different um, broadcasters and basically it landed uh, with Showmax. I presented it to the executives there. They loved it and they signed it on. And and then after that, of course, I had to find now a professional uh, production company with experience. Mm. Um, I was looking for a company that does uh, tend to do shows that are very gritty, very edgy. And so I partnered with uh, Desiree McCraff and Angus Gibson at Bomb Productions. And yeah, and then, and then we, so the three of us are the executive producers of the show. And yeah, that's basically how we managed to make this happen. And so how, I mean, often there's a criticism when books are adapted into a TV show or a movie, particularly if you read the book first, uh, that it doesn't quite stay true. Because I do also think, you know, telling a story in a book and telling it on TV or in a movie are very different. And so often they are compromises and you are now a producer on um, the show how much of the show remains true to the book so if someone read Red Ink in you know 20, 2007 or 2008 and they watch the show does it still reflect the book does it remain true to the book or have there been some you know some changes because it is now for TV um, I mean, because of the different, I mean, such a different medium, television to uh, a, a, a book, of course, there will be some changes. It's an eight-part series, so it's almost like you're having, like, uh, six movies, like, eight movies. <laughs> because the movie's about, like, what, 90, 70 minutes, so an, a, a, one episode is 45 minutes. Mm. So you really have to stretch the story. And, again, uh, I'm very particular about elements of a thriller so saying like you need your a very good cliffhanger at the end of every episode, just as I try to have a lot of cliffhangers at the end of a chapter. Uh, you need to throw in some red herrings so that you know you kind of keep guessing as the reader or as the viewer um, what's really happening. You've got to put the pieces together. I think it's kind of a mental exercise in that way. So it was important for me that we have those elements uh, and, and for my co-producers that we have those elements on the show. Um, so how do you stretch it out? Because you know a novel will give you a certain part of the world that you've really got to bring it to screen and make it like edgy and and make it move the way that it needs to. So, of course, um, there would be changes because of that. But I have been pleasantly surprised by readers. I've actually been to one or two uh, book club events, you know, fans of the work, fans of the book. And I've not really heard any criticism. Um, and I think and I think this is important for producers because there's usually quite a lot of resistance to having the author in the room, either in the writer's room or in part of the production. Anyway, the conventional wisdom is keep the author away, as far away as possible, actually. Um, so I think the fact that Red Ink has had such resonance with people who dearly love the book 
um, is, is, is proof that it, it doesn't mean that having an author is going to ruin everything. It doesn't mean we're going to be there and be a big he- fat headache <laughs> because we want to hold on to our darlings or elements of the book that we don't want to let go of. But at the same time, for authors, I think the other cautionary um, notes that I would want to impart as having been part of this process is that you shouldn't be too, if you want to be in the room, if you want to be involved, mm-hmm. um, don't hold on, don't be too precious about things that, you know, television people who are clearly experts in what works for television uh, believe won't work in the book. So it's a, tele- it's, a, it's, a, it's a delicate dance, it's a balance. You, 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 you have to hear each other out, fight for the things that you believe are sacrosanct in the book, uh, but let's be willing to let a couple of things go just because it's a different medium. Yeah. Uh, but of course, Red Ink isn't the first book that you've had adapted uh, into, um, you know, movie or TV. Uh, we also saw Love, Sex and Dirty Candles um, being adapted into a film. But this time for another, another streaming platform, it was for Netflix. Um, yeah. And so were there any learnings from, you know, the first time you did it with uh, Love, Sex and Dirty Candles that you brought to this experience um you know you know stuff that you kind of saw with that first adaptation that you thought hmm, i'll keep that in mind for you know whenever the next time um this happens again yeah i mean i think the first thing is i wasn't involved at all um in love sex and petty candles and i feel like and and there's a lot of things that i didn't like um but because i wasn't consulted i couldn't do anything about it and um, there are elements that I felt compromised the storyline of um, the Zodiac Candle. I felt like the character development and the story development didn't quite capture what I was trying to do in the book, you know, with the book rather. And so, again, that was the key learning for me. That was the key takeaway that really producers honestly have to, um, you know, be more open-minded about involving authors because I don't think there's anything more painful than watching your work and just thinking, my goodness, what on earth is this? Um, and I had that feeling. Um, and so that is the, one of the key learnings, um, you know, because you write these characters with an intention, you know, you write a certain plotline or storyline with an intention. And so when that, that intention is lost, it, 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 you really do feel quite gutted. Um, and, and so that was the key takeaway for me that, um, you know, I'd rather fight this. I don't own, so, so for instance, I own the right to Red Ink, which is why I had so much influence in it. I don't own the right to the to about four of my other works that mm. have been uh, bought, the rights have been bought by independent producers. However, I, ha- I do keep advising the producers that, look, I'm not going to be a nuisance and try to tell you how to run your show, but having me in the room will assist us because I also want the best for you know, my, my work, I want, I mean, it's still my work. The fact that you own the rights doesn't mean that it's no longer an Angela McCullough adaptation. And so I will come with good intentions. Um, and I think, I, I, I hope that this is something that authors will try to fight for. Mm. Um, because it, it, it's important. I mean, we don't, you, you write a book, you don't do it for fame or fortune. I mean, you hardly make a lot of money <laughs> as, an, as, a, as a novelist or a journalist. So clearly it is very much a labor of love. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the worst thing that can happen is that your labor of love, you feel that it's been decimated. Um, so it's definitely something worth fighting for. And it's mm-hmm. definitely something that producers need to keep in mind um, and, and be open uh, to, to exploring. Yeah.
Angela, thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning and giving us your time. Thank you so much, Cox. Thank you very much. <laughs> Enjoy the weekend. Bye. You too. That is author and now TV producer Angela Makola Maubelo joining us this morning in the Literature Corner.